Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this Saturday's Fife Property Show. Uh, too many tenants we're talking about today, Jim, and how to pick the best uh, of the best for your rental property. So, um, a good topic, something that I think people will find really interesting. Um, I mean, I know it sounds like a landlord's dream to have too many tenants, and um, a shortage of rental homes and multiple tenants uh, competing for each one, and rents like they have recently starting to increase. Um, it does sound like a landlord's dream, but what, 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 what's your thoughts on that, Jim? Oh, my God. Uh, I tell you what, um, when we say too many tenants and pick from the best, all the tenants are really the best. The problem here is we're inundated for every single property because of shortage of supply. Cover so we're, we're right down to the fact that, I mean, people are actually, I'm having to apologise to people on messaging on social media. They're just private messaging us saying, you know, we've inquired about property uh, for rent, and I'm like, oh, God, here we go. Because um, we're, we're literally getting about 100 applicants for every single property. And and everybody's going, why am I not getting a phone call back? We cannot phone 100 people. <laughs> it's, it's literally that bad. bad. Yeah, we, cannot, we, we do not have the resources to get in touch with 100 people. Yeah. For I mean, every property. When we've got up to about 20 or 20 odd properties running at a time sometimes, you know, and when things are really busy, it's like the amount well, of inquiries. people. Uh, it's overwhelming. And we're trying to get we're trying to solve this issue as efficiently as possible. We're just having to say to people, look, you've got to go in via the email because the email is an autoresponder that sends out a certain yeah. report. You fill all that report in as much as you can, as best as you can, and then you put that in as your application. And then we just have to sift through that and go through that. This is almost like you know, the job situation when you had a job available and like a hundred or two hundred people applied for it. And it was like, look, folks. You know, if we didn't get back to you, you've obviously no got a successful interview, and and that's kind of what it's like now. It is mayhem. Um, it is really overwhelming in terms of the rental market just now. Uh, and I, and and I've got to say, if the if the Scottish government had built enough social housing and council housing, yeah. we wouldn't be sitting here in this problem where people are actually just jumping on the private landlords to actually ask for ask for property to rent. Um, I would I would love to have the day. Where I would no longer need to be a landlord, honestly. Mm -hmm. And folk go, "What you got in the you got in the market for the money?" I never. I got in the market for a social conscience in the beginning, and I yeah. thought, "Yeah, I could probably make something out of it as well." And I'd rather have control of my pension because then I would have access to what I needed to do and be able to use it at that time without having to rely on someone else and then have to wait till I'm fifty-five or sixty-five year old mm -hmm. to get it. But now it's like going somebody just put me out of my misery. <laughs> uh, genuinely because it's like because it, it, it's like shooting fish in a barrel just now and it's mm -hmm. not fair for the tenants it's not fair for the landlords and it's all because of a lack of a proper coherent strategic housing policy in Scotland and, and if not the UK as well for the English government yeah yeah and, and for us I mean because of this increased amount of um interest in, in rental properties and, and the, the vast amount of people that are inquiring, we've, we're having to tweak and change how we do things, trying to streamline it and make it more efficient. But then at the same time, we're having to try and educate potential tenants on how that works because they don't understand why they're having to do these certain things. Do you know what I mean? In order to apply yeah. for a property. Why and, am you not phoning my back straight away? Why yeah. am I not getting you on the phone all the, all the time? And it's like, because we're overwhelmed. Yeah, it's like there's folk blooming at us all the time, and it is literally, it is literally, people are actually inquiring four or five times through different avenues. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then yeah. that makes it even worse because what's happening is we're getting overwhelmed with all these four or five times because we're having to go to Zoopla's inquiries and go, okay, that's that person, okay. And then right moves inquiry, oh, that's that person again. And then our inquiries, oh, that's that person again. And then another message, oh, wait a minute, that's the same person. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same person is inquiring about five or six times and we're literally having to go to it five or six times to then realise, oh, it's actually the same person. But you can imagine amplified how that's going to how that's how worse that's going to get and the fact that the time involved in actually having to eliminate the same person on you know i wouldn't eliminate it's not the word i would use no to to, to filter the same person and qualify the same person in six different platforms yeah that's how yeah, it's it overwhelming and that happens quite a lot um and and you understand where they're coming from because they've got such an eagerness to try and find a home um but there's a better way of doing it. And if you go yeah. through the process and provide as much information to the agent as you can, they will they will be easier it's easier to help you and find you and, and place you somewhere. Yeah. But um it's the same for it's the same story for almost every rent rental property. Uh, but the flood of inquiries, like we've said, can really be overwhelming. So today we're going to cover how do you how do you really avoid getting bogged down by a sea of viewings and admin and and if you're a landlord that self-managed um or of an agent like myself, it, 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 like I say, it can be overwhelming. And and as a mix of things, um, and it's a mix of people that you you naturally attract in the first place, and how you filter filter them down through the crowd of people, um, which means boosting um, your understanding of certain things. And we're going to cover them today, um, and we're going to look at why are there so many tenants, and and the best way maybe to t- target higher earners and, and and people in a good financial position and how to screen people before viewings. We do a lot of pre-qualifying and things as well. And the typical warning signs and red flags as well that you need to look out for. And the all-important secrets to that rigorous referencing process. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's to me is a very paramount point of the initial stages of finding a new tenant. So covering all that, the people will feel a bit daunted, but don't be because um, we're going to cover it today and we're going to try and explain as best we can and speak from our experience and please people if you're on and um, this is interactive it's live jump on the comments Jim streaming on Instagram on TikTok yeah I have it here in the studio on all our other platforms we're on the YouTube channel and things as well if you're watching the rerun still jump in the comments we will we will be able to come back to you but why um, is there so many tenants yeah so that is that is the, going to be the question that everybody is going to be asking and the sheer number of tenants looking to rent right now uh, is higher than we've ever seen and I've ever seen. Um, and the factors causing that and and making this almighty squeeze uh, between supply and demand and supply and demand, um, I think firstly the uncertainty over house prices uh, has caused a lot of tenants to, to pause before buying uh, and keeping them in the rental market for longer instead uh, freeing up homes. Do you know what I mean? So people are staying yeah. where they are, and it's not. It's, I'll be honest, not, Richard. You know, we, we talk about the uncertainty of the housing market. I, I'm pretty yeah. certain where the housing market is going. It's going to continue to. But other people have that uncertainty. You no, know, and and, and it's the media. It's driving that forward at the yeah. them and putting uncertainty in the housing market. If you're looking to buy a house, just get on and buy it for goodness' sake. Don't mm-hmm. rent in the hope that prices are going to come down because the market's going to crash. Because the market is not going to crash. And I could, I know yeah. that the indicators are not there to suggest that at all. There's nothing on the horizon. It will tell me that that will be the case. 
the only reason it happened before was the availability of finance, and availability of finance is still there. Yeah. So I, I, I think, and we had said this last year, and I brought it up in one of my shows, for God's sake, start buying now. And every oh, no, I'm going to hold off, and I'm going to wait to see if prices all, all come down. And it's like, no, don't wait. And it's mm -hmm. like, life have gone up 4.8% as of last, last as of this week. Yeah. The land industry, they've gone up 4.8%. So for every 100,000 you buy a house, you're now paying an extra five grand than you were the year before. Mm -hmm. So you should have bought your house. Yeah, just get on with it and buy it. You know, for some people, renting is a great a great option because yeah. the entry and exit costs and the amount of time they're wanting to hold on to a property makes it prohibitive to actually do that. It costs too much money. And there's and and I've got to say, I'm a real estate agent, right? And I I work in obviously selling and buying houses. But yeah. I'm going to say this: there's no stigma to not owning a home, and yet there is a stigma in the in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> You're sometimes you're you're somehow deemed to be a major success because you own your own home. No, you don't own your own home. The bank owns your home. You only own your own home when you've actually completely paid it off and you have it. You have it all the money in the bank. You no owe any money on that home at all, or whatever proportion it is the mortgage is to your home and your equity. That is what the bank owns, and this is what you own. That's effectively it. Mm -hmm. And you're renting from the bank. Until yeah, it's the bank's off. basically your landlord. Until it's paid off. And everybody goes, well, maybe we do that with tenants. And it's like, I tried this 25 years ago to put something in place where my tenants could actually pay uh, like a mortgage mm -hmm. on our properties in order to allow them to be able to buy. And you know how many tenants took this option up? Zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're needing to rent, not because they want to buy. They're needing to rent because they can only rent. That's the only option they have. And not because we've got the houses. It's because they have no finance. Mm -hmm. They have no option. It's not through our choice. It's through their decisions that they've made. It, they've made themselves like that. And the fact that their only option is rental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that never got that out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that is that is the situation. And some people, like you say, some people do choose to rent. Uh, some people maybe are not in the financial position. And that was the next thing I was going to say. A lot of people um, don't have the disposable income now. A lot of things have changed, and a lot of people's circumstances in terms of what they have outgoing, and that could be obviously the cost of living and things obviously some rents have went up and i'll do a quick check on this disposable income though richard yeah, right everybody out there ask yourself i've not got the money to be able to afford the mortgage okay so let's look at it like this if your car broke down tomorrow and you couldn't you weren't able to go anywhere anymore and you didn't have a car anymore because it had broken down and it's going to cost a thousand pounds to fix it how would you get how would you get about? How would you get that? And and often a lot of people say to me is, well, I'll just get my car fixed. And I'm like, okay, I thought you had no money. Where are you going to get the thousand pounds? Yeah. Honestly, as human behavior, we will find the money for the things that we we want. And I don't think I don't say need, we want, we will find the money somewhere. The government's not daft. We had done a show previously about this, about where people's money goes on average, you know, on yeah. disposable income stuff, on luxury items, on better holidays. And it's like, you know, what I'll, I'll, I'll give you a lesson what I learned in the 1980s. You just have to rein it in. 
you just have to rein it in. And that money you would have had for your your glamorous holiday or what you wanted, or that money you would have had for all these nights out that you always wanted, or that that new car that you always wanted. Guess what? Newsflash, reality check. You're going to have to put it on hold. You're just going to have to reallocate it in the short term to paying your mortgage or getting the house that you really wanted. What's more important to you in the long, the medium to long term? It's probably security of tenure. It's probably being where you want to be. Yeah. And it's probably paying your mortgage and not having the disruption on your family and your children about having to move property because you don't want to pay the extra £200 a month, which you could really reallocate from somewhere else. And, you know, I can get pelts for this and get castigated for it and all the rest of it, but I'll, I could probably look at every single person's budget that they've got for their household income and what's going out and what's coming in and show you straight away where you can find 200 quid. Yeah, definitely. Because since we've done that show, I've, I've done certain changes and things, and I could still do more. I, I know I can. Um, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's just it's a, a reallocation of your priorities. Yeah. That's all. And remember, this is only short term. This this what we've got now. It's only short term. It's not going to be a medium or long term thing. So you just have to do that for the short term. Get yourself back on track. When it all stabilizes again, interest rates and base rates come down again. The markets are a lot better again. Then you go and find a mortgage which is more affordable, and then you can get your money back again that you had to put towards your mortgage at that time. That's the reality, and it's similar to rents as well. You know what we're talking about right now. Rents are maybe going up historically um, on, on, on this information, but I'm doing a show next week about this, and I'm actually collating some information right now, and I don't think we're given the, we're being told the right picture for the rental market. We're getting told it's going up 23% and you, you know since 2021. But, uh, but hold it, hold it. Um, the existing rents are not going up 23%. People are sitting in situ and they're going up 23%. And that's the majority, I believe, it's only the new lets that are going up 23%. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a lot of information and gathering from other letting agents, all their key, key criteria. I'm going to put it all together. We're going to do a show next week. And I'm probably going to blow this myth out of the water. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got quite, I've got a lot of confidence in the fact that you probably will. So let's get back to the task at hand. You yeah. won't find money for the things you really want. Let's be honest about this. We're, we're all grown up here. Um, that's the reality. You yeah, know, you said, so that was disposable income. Changes um, in taxation policy have caused heavily leveraged yeah. mortgage uh, landlords to sell up and exit the buy to let. There's no surprise there then. You know, we are getting vilified, and I mean, we as a landlord as well for 30 years. Um, yeah. It's no surprise. I've always had it anyway. So I'm kind of used to it. And everybody else is going, oh, how could they be so horrible to us? And it's like newsflash. It's always been like that. People like to see people get ahead, mm-hmm. but not ahead of them. Yeah. So the taxation policy has actually changed for the worse. You know, and and, and I had somebody other last night going on about the fact that, um, oh, Landlords and landlords' mortgages interest should not be deductible at all against their income. It's like whoa, 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 wait a minute, because house owners' mortgages are deductible against their income. Well, house owners don't actually produce an income out of their house that they have to pay tax on. That's why. So that's why if we're going to produce an income to pay tax on, surely the cost to produce that income should be tax deductible as well in full. Yeah. And a house owner doesn't produce any income from their house. To get that tax deduction, so why would they get that tax deduction normally? 
yeah that makes obviously sense to me and, and a lot of people watching probably but um there'll be a few out there that obviously that doesn't really ring through with them in their mind but that's that's really how it should be yeah we're in a we're in a reality check of a yeah. society just now which which wants to eat the rich it's everybody else's fault except mine <laughs> that sort of thing eh? yeah, hey, it's to be it's up to me that's the reality and i'm where i am because the decisions i've taken and the decisions i've let someone else take for me you've got to news again news flash reality check that's where we are right now that's where you are right now what are you going to do about it no one else is going to bail you out let's get on with it and let's get your act together and that's a wealth creation show we're going to talk about that on monday we're going to talk about distractions on Monday, actually. Yeah. And that's probably a really good one because this is a distraction, what's happening right now. In the yeah, media. that's actually a good point, Jim. It's, yeah. a, it's a big distraction. And people are getting taken off of that and they're getting taken down a path which actually isn't actually going to lead them to any successful conclusion. It's going to lead them into a worst-case scenario and a worse situation for them personally. And this is why we do the wealth creation shows to get people out. I would rather give people a hand up than a hand out because yeah. a hand up is teaching somebody to fish for life rather than giving them a fish to eat for a day. Yeah, definitely. Uh, also, um, we mentioned there about the the uh, time scale in which the properties are letting and things as well and the amount of people that are inquiring. Um, and properties are usually on the market for a matter of days now as opposed to weeks or do you know what I mean and and I mean you could say we've got 30 40 sometimes at least inquiring we've got I know from experience we've got a lot more sometimes I mean we've got 80 to 100 sometimes inquiring for a property that's a really popular one all chasing the same property and that in turn as well just push up the rent because if people if you've got really um quali good qualified applicants and there's two three four of them then yeah. some of them will voluntarily say I'll pay you more and, yeah, some, and some, some rentals are actually going to closing dates. Yes, they are. And I've done a few of them recently. And and you go, wait a minute, <clears throat> that's never happened. Yeah, it has happened. It's happened uh, before. It's happened before. I've heard it before uh, many, many years ago where two people, three people would all want the same property at the same time. And they desperately wanted it because it was in it was mint condition. Um and uh, and and some would say, Look, I'm prepared to pay a bit more. And I went, Well, I can't exactly turn around and say who gets it, uh, the only thing I could be fair about is, well, just put it to a closing date and see who wants to offer the most and see who can afford it, though. Yeah, that's the affordability yeah. thing. Yeah. I've got no desire to take someone that I realise that can't afford the rent because if you can't afford the rent, we're both going to get into a position where I'm they're not going to be able to pay it anymore and then I'm going to be led down the path where I've got no other choice but to, to do formal proceedings for eviction. It's mm -hmm. like, I do not want that on my conscience. So yeah. I have a responsibility, just like banks have a responsibility to make sure, banks have a responsibility to make sure the mortgage, the, the person accepting the mortgage can afford the mortgage. We have a responsibility as landlords, as letting and letting agents, to make sure the tenant can have the affordability to afford the mortgage. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is no denying how tough it is for tenants looking for a home right now, but the, the flattening sale prices and higher yields and things uh, we've seen for, for some time now, obviously make it, a good moment to become a landlord still uh, but as just to double back on what you were just saying there Jim and it brings us nicely to the next subject is to target the top of the market and that's people who are in yeah. a good position and a good financial position and one of the most natural ways to attract the highest quality tenants is to make whatever rental property you own uh, the best in its class and and the 
the most appealing to your target audience. And um, and there are some certain th there are certain things that you can do in order to to get that in place. Um, and and first and foremost is to speak to your your local agent about the best locations and types of properties and and tenants that are prepared to pay um, the right price for that property. This is actually quite interesting because, you know, as you said, you know, I've heard you say this before about speaking to letting agents about the locations and the types of properties and the tenants that are prepared to pay yeah. the most rent for. Um, I think the other one as well is invest in premium quality fittings to attract style conscious people who value nice things. Yeah. You know, careless tenants often avoid higher rents and security deposits because they're no fine they're going to get filtered out in the, in the process. Um, interestingly enough as well, just mark, just personally for me it's like i've got no target market for where i'm where i'm going i pick the best person for the best property and what what fits their what's their best circumstances that that's all on an individual basis type thing, yeah. it is it's kind of like first over the you know that I, I i i don't buy in ever to this demographic of we should dis almost discriminate between different types of people and and tenants and all the rest of it it's like mm -hmm. no no it's the best person for the actual tenancy or uh, you know let's take it a, a step further it's the best person for the job that's yeah. what it comes down yeah. to right? who's the best person that's all it is because people actually say oh you're just discriminating me because of this or because of that it's like no it's because there's somebody else that's better for the property it fits them it fits their usage better and it, and also their circumstances are better and that's all you're doing as a tenant you're just competing against other people just like people compete when they're selling a house with each other for selling you know yeah. i'm wanting your two hundred thousand pounds to buy my house and it's like well next door's been up for sale and it's better quality than yours and they're wanting your two hundred thousand pound as well well, newsflash, guess what? Guess what's going to go first? It's going to go. It's going to, probably going to be next door mm -hmm. because it's better. And and that's the that's the reality. You're you're just you you have to realise even as a tenant, you're competing against other tenants. That's it. So you need to make sure you're in the best light possible. And we're going to come on to that um, screening before viewings in a minute. Yeah. But we often refer to the, the application and, and pre-qualifying stage of uh, finding tenants as, as a bit like a job interview. And, and that's exactly what it's like. The other one as well, I, I can't stand, is the blanket bans on things like pets or on children for your rental property. It's like, really? Yeah. It's like even the blanket bans on people still say no DSS or no people in universal credit. And I'm like, I have never had that policy since the very beginning I started. Because, you know, the one that really got me was years and years ago when I sat next to a tenant at a tenants association meeting because I was there as a landlord just to see mm -hmm. what was going on in the in the community. And the person turned around and I says, you know, so how how you getting on with your um, your tenancy and all the rest of it? Oh, well, I'm just on, I'm just on DSS. I just get, and, and it's like, I, I really don't have a, 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 some sort of voice. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what did you just say to me? You don't have a voice. Because the government pays your rent. The government pays the rent to you to pay to the landlord. It just so happens to go straight to the landlord. There's no direct relationship other than you've asked for it to go straight to the landlord. You have every right, as well as every other tenant. Somebody that's working in a job and paying, you've got every right and the same as them because you're getting assisted from the government. You've got every single right as well as them. And, and just as much. So for you saying that you're on you don't matter because you're getting it paid by the government. It's like, that just, oh, that resonated. That really rubbed me up the wrong way when yeah. somebody said that. I thought, that's no right that people should think like that. 
Uh, and so I've never had this sort of policy of a discriminating thing about, oh, you can't have pets, you can't have children in that property, you can only get three people in that, you, you know, three of a family in there, and you can't have any more than, than two two children or three children. Or, it's just, doesn't it? It doesn't wave. It's, 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 so I never, I've never advertised that. We've never advertised like yeah. that. Some of our best tenants have pets, and I've only once come across a landlord who insisted on no children in a in a, in a property that was a family home. Just, yeah. And and it was uh, that was a funny conversation to have, but um, she was quite persistent on it. But we, we got there in the end. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I mean, you know, my my attitude to that is if you start saying things like that, it's like, well, maybe you're not the right landlord yeah. that we should have. That's that's what it comes down to. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, pets and children and things. I mean, they're part of life. It's it's, it's yeah. silly to. Not so given the issues, that. given the issues concerning the sales market now, is the perfect time to target tenants with homeowning mentality as they pause their buying plans. As I mm -hmm. said before, the media has stopped everybody in their tracks, but there is still limited supply in the 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 sales market for properties up to a certain value, which most people that are, are renting would probably be able, would probably buy, in essence. Yeah. But but the, the fear has stopped people in their tracks, and that's why they've gone on to rent just now in the short term, thinking, you know, convinced by the media and, and, and everybody else, all these furus that are about, you know, the fake gurus saying mm -hmm. it's property market's going to crash, property market, we're coming catastrophic the whole the whole world's going to end tomorrow and i'm like if the whole world ends tomorrow it doesn't matter whether you've bought your house or no we're all going to hell in a handbasket yeah that's that is <laughs> it's like if everybody else is going down because you've no bought your property isn't it going to save you we're all going down because <laughs> we're all interconnected I know we've made reference to that in, in previous shows and things as well. It's like if, if interest rates were to go ridiculously high, or do you know if things were, everybody's going to be in the same boat. So, um, yeah, so it doesn't really matter. Good morning to the people that have just joined us, by the way. Good morning, everybody. Um, you know, we're talking about um, uh, tenants. Um, you're uh, too many tenants. There's far too many tenants. How do you pick the best for yourself for your rental property? Yep. We're also we're also getting a bit. You know, how's this happened and all the rest of it in the background behind it. So um, you can have your say. Have your say. Just stick it yeah. in the comments, um, by all means. Yeah, yeah. Steve McLean, actually, McLean actually says, uh, Steve's actually involved in Zoopla. Um, yeah. Property supply down 43%. You pay you you year-on-year year demand up 56%. So, you know, and that's the rental market. So year-on-year year demand's yeah. up 56%. The property supply for rentals is down 43%. Again, a recipe. This is quite normal to happen. And everybody goes, this, no, this is unusual situations. It's trying times. It's like, no, no, this is quite normal. If you print money, here's the cycle. If you print money and introduce more money into the economy, you have to then consider what's going to happen next because mm -hmm. you've injected all that money into the system and it has to get spent on something. It's not bailing anybody out, by the way. It maybe is bailing people out but it gets spent on something. So more money goes into the supply buying more goods and services. If more goods and services are bought, what happens? Boom. <laughs> Price goes up, isn't it? 
to restrict supply, supply and demand economics. We are stuck in a capitalistic system. Whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, we're stuck in that system. This is how the cycle works. So prices go up. And then guess what happens? Inflation goes up. So what happens when inflation goes up? Well, inflation goes up. The Bank of England comes along and goes, we're going to have to put up interest rates, base rates, in order to curb inflation and take that money supply out of the supply, that demand out of the supply again. You know, the, the demand away. So this is what this is what happens. So in the cyclical process, what's happening is the money's printed, the house prices, inflation start to go up in prices of goods and services, base rates have to go up to curb it, and um, people hold off, and then what happens is hold off buying, and the supply gets shortened again, and then what happens as well is demand then goes to the, the rental market. So this is this is natural to happen. This has yeah. happened all before, by the way, two times before. Happened in the credit crunch where people lost their homes and they had to go and rent them. Yeah. And it was, so that was a natural cycle. Remember the credit crunch? Oversupply of money, creation all that credit, printing all that in the system, all that debt put in. Everybody spends all that debt and then it pushes all, you know, see that happening? Mm -hmm. And then before that in the 90s, same thing happened again. But, but we don't see that trend. We just see pretty on the on the face of it we see the superficial in it but we don't see that actual trend happening and it it happens every single time on it on its core structure it just happens in a different way the way it does it we, we've never had unemployment at a record low before in this situation mm -hmm. but but that's that 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 is yet to bear itself as well because you know there's only one way you can go from record low unemployment and that's unemployment going up yeah. so if the ramifications is unemployment starts to go up because people start to get laid off because people can't afford anything then we've got the next part of the cycle but i don't believe we're at that stage yet i don't i don't see that on the horizon right now and it's because of the limited supply of people available to work in this country and the fact that yeah. we've not got a proper immigration policy um into this country for skills to come in um, so we're, we're still messing about and we're not really sure what's happening. So that's why I can't see this happening so far in, in this time. I, and, 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 you know, I will tell you, in the next 20 years, I see property prices doubling again because of creative financing. Mm -hmm. And we could talk about more of that in the wealth creation show. Yeah. yeah, we could talk about that on Monday. So what do you do when you come back to let's get back to this what do you do when you screen before viewings what should you yeah you, you touched on that a wee bit there when we were talking i am um, screening before viewings and with so many inquiries for every rental property that we're putting on just now you, you could run yourself ragged doing viewings and and rather than just booking everyone in and that's just not the way to do it and and, and letting everyone who asks for a view and do that take a minute um and explore whether uh, they are a good fit now, we do this, we do pre-qualifying and things now, um, which is a new part of the system for us. But explain exactly when your property will be available and find out from each viewer um, when they're looking to move um, and possibly how long they're looking to let. We can't obviously fix terms and things with the private residential tenancy in Scotland now, but you can get, gauge a good idea of when they're looking to move and how long they're looking to stay there for. Rather than um, just uh, say, maybe they're only there for a month and then that's it and um, you need to try and work that out because that's you don't want that high turnover um from people just moving you, in and you, you can't afford that high turnover no. No. it's it's prohibitive because 
the amount of effort and time to put someone in to let them go a month later and then have to put someone else in again. And the, if you, especially if you've got a letting agent and associated costs involved in it, is, is prohibitive. You, you can't, the, the margins are actually quite tight as it is in the buy-to-let market for um, property. If you get the numbers right, though, you've got a bit more leeway. But a lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon and just bought and bought and bought, thinking, oh, property, that's going to be brilliant. The buy-to-let's going to be brilliant. Again, we're back at this time. I saw this all before as well. You know, people are convinced you just buy a house and you rent it and you're going to make money instantly. No, 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 no. There's huge, there's a huge amount of stuff to consider. And this is just a tiny part of it yeah. that we're discussing yeah. right now. As these are just kind of like the main points. And one thing as well, when you have that conversation with potential tenants and you, you find out their backstory and what their what their plan is moving forward and what they need from a property, then you could start to highlight certain aspects of properties. Like if something's got a big open plan kitchen and they've got a big family or do you know what I mean? It's got that extra bedroom um, yeah. that they could use as a study. Or, do you know, things like that and things that are good um for some but maybe not for others so that way you get to you get to build a picture of this potential tenant and whether the, the property you've got suitable for them mm -hmm. uh, or you have another property that's probably suitable for them there's a whole there's a whole process in doing that and that's where the screening and referencing and things all comes in um i mean maybe you want to be clear that you want somebody that's maybe green fingered and because of the garden obviously to be looked after and just for example do you know what i mean it's things like that that you need to try and uh, figure out through this process it's it's no easy richard in the past i used to get people saying oh i could afford the house i could afford the house and it's like okay now i really want to give you this house but the questions i have to ask is like your income is coming in once you've paid the council tax once you've paid your utility bills once you've paid your food because you have to eat mm -hmm. once you've paid for your um travel because you have to get to your work once you've paid for your children because your children need to eat as well and they need clothes as well um you're literally in minus you're minus 50 quid a week you know or minus 50 or you're minus 400 pound a month uh, you know the, the budget i've got in my head for you to live and what you could afford are two entirely different oh no no i can't afford that okay show me how you can afford yeah. it then Again, we come back to our responsibility for making sure people can afford it, rather than just saying, "Oh, just move in and and pay your rent." That's irresponsible. Yeah. So we we have to do this screening before viewings is essential in order to make sure people can meet the affordability. I would love to be a day where we could give everybody a house. I would love for the government to turn around and say, "Look, you know, let's see all the finance costs you've got in your houses." We'll pick up we'll pick up the bills for all the finance costs on the houses and all you need to do is charge everybody else that amount. Mm -hmm. Oh perfect. Happy days. I could I could drop my rents like a stone, you know, for that reason and just take all the finance costs out of that completely and I could charge everybody at an affordable level. But to be honest, I am affordable already on level already, am I? Because my yeah. average is four hundred and eighty seven pounds a month. Yeah, we worked out, yeah. On the rent. Over all my stock. £487 a month. And the average, according to inflation, with everything inflationed up, I should be charging 623 a month. I'm 23% less than inflation mm -hmm. for our rents. So where's the myth that the Scottish government's pouring out the now? Where's that coming from? Because that's no reflective of where I am. And I think everybody else is in a similar situation as landlords. There's going to be a lot of people in the same situation. Yeah, they're all affordable. 
it's it's smoke and mirrors. They've, let's be honest. I'm an accountant, and when somebody says, "Look, I've got this, and I need this to put through, or I need this capital expenditure appraisal to do," an industry, I used just to go, "Well, what answer do you want me to to prove?" <laughs> and they went, "What?" I went, "Well, what payback do you need for to get this project through, and what return on investment do you need to get this project through?" And I went, "But." How how could you do that? And it's like, and it's called lies. It's called lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, as a as a as a creative accountant, you can give anybody any answer they want, effectively within reason. Yeah. And it's all factual, but it's just how you it's how you present it to the to the board at the time. And I was always the one where every single capital expenditure approval that went to the board for approval always got approved. None of mine ever got knocked back. Because I knew exactly how to prove it every single time. Yeah. Yeah, but money management's a big thing. Um, and that initial stage is people do come forward. Oh, I could afford the rent. And 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 like you say, I've done it with a few people over the years and sat down and, and broke down, right, okay, but once you do this and do this. And they're obviously, they've not done that. And whether maybe just people aren't educated enough to break down their actual, or look at their, their outgoings. And... Um, it's maybe just that they're looking for something in the wrong price bracket, and and then you you realign the the thought process and find them something that's more suitable uh, and affordable. Um, yeah, Andrea says, uh, how much time should you allow for lettings property searches? They seem to go pretty quickly. I think you should just register with us. You register with your letting agent now. You just, and I, I honestly, I I don't I don't think you're actually going to get told if you register with them. I don't mm -hmm. think that's the system just doesn't work like that in lens. It's not like sales where people say, Oh, you've registered with us, we'll give you the information. Uh, you know, the turnover in lens is too quick. Yeah. Um at, in order to register everybody, you'd have one person or two people employed full time just to put people in a system, uh, just to then take them off again because the, you never got a property for mm -hmm. them because it's because it, they're going that quick, uh, Andrea. So I, I think as as soon as you know a property is coming on, or you should keep regular contact with your letting agent, and and just kind of, and I think you should do everything possible to get yourself qualified before you even before they even have a property for you. And what I mean is by saying, look, you know, have you got your application forms? Have all your own stuff. In, in yeah, if you've got all the stuff I could fill out now, um, in order to do that, um, if you've got all the stuff I can fill out now in preparation for when the time comes when a property comes up, you then know. That I'm the person for that property. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. it, it, it's that's effectively what you need to do right now. Um, and Angela says as well, potentially a job interview when viewing a property and the letting agent is looking for the good tenant on both on paper and face to face. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. A combination of yeah, yeah, on paper and face to face. Yeah, you're protecting the second largest asset of the landlord, uh, apart from their own house. Their own house, yeah. That'd be the that's effectively it. Their, their own house is their biggest tax-free asset probably ever they'll have. But what you're doing as a letting agent um, is actually protecting probably their, 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 I think more than likely in my case, it's my pension. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to put my, I, I am not going to put my pension at risk for my future on the fact that we can just bust anybody in the door. So uh, I choose to invest my capital and in putting a roof over somebody's head, which I think is, you know, is I like to do that. And provide somebody with good quality accommodation um but other people to choose to invest in a pension um which actually um is their choice and what they do yeah. i just choose to do something different with it that's all yeah 
Yeah, but I mean, this whole process by filtering out the best inquiries and things and that before the viewings actually take place means you've got more time to concentrate on uh, the more suitable tenants for that property. And that gives you less work uh, up front and then also later on. And um, then you will, you'll ultimately receive a multitude of offers from this qualified, suitable group of people that you've narrowed it down to. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you could narrow that down to what? Maybe three or four? Yeah, we usually try and get it down to about three or four. Yeah, it's as it is the CV process, isn't it? Like, you know, if you don't fill that CV out properly or that application out properly, I think I think most letting agents are going to turn around and say, "Well, we're not going to take this person." Um, they're 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 out they're out of the qualification process straight away, and the reason for that is because if you can't fill the form out properly and follow the instruction, then what's it going to be like when we're running the tenancy? Especially we've got. Because you're only needing one person for that property, and if there's a hundred that are actually inquiring about it, you're going to get down to the bare, you know, three or four. Which, well, probably about ten it can view, and then, then, then the shortlist is three or four to choose from. So it's just like that. It's just like you've got to make sure you're you're the most attractive tenant in terms of in terms of your whole um, um, uh, financial um, uh, outlook. Uh, and and the, the the affordability and everything like that. That's really what you're having to do right now. Um, yeah. And and whether you like it or not, you know, it's 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 just the facts. You know, I don't like the fact of having to say that. But if I'm going to give you the best advice as a tenant in order to get the best property, in order to get a property, because you're you're desperately wanting one, then that's the way to do it. Yeah, and, yeah, and when you're doing all this, there are warning signs to watch out for. Um, but I feel like unless you're Unless you're out there doing the viewings every day, it can be quite tricky to judge who might be the best tenants for the property. And um, there might be some questions that you can ask to, to that, I mean, there are some questions that you could ask to do, uh, to to check that these people um, are suitable and then maybe spot Red them. flags. Red flags, <laughs> yeah. The um, warning signs, wait a minute, flags popped up in my brain. That's yeah. no other... And it is after you know yourself, Richard. After a period of time, you—it's almost like you've got a standard script in your head. And when mm -hmm. somebody gives you, when you ask them a question and they give you a certain answer, it's like whoa, red flag, straight on to the next question. It's like that decision tree. You know, it's like if they say if they say the answer to that is this, you go, oh, that's the next question I've got to ask. And then they say the answer to that, that's the next question I've got to ask. And and and. That's what experience and wisdom teaches you as a landlord, especially myself, and also as a letting agent for yourself as well. And that mm -hmm. combination is pretty powerful when it's when it comes to protecting protecting the the, the position of the of the landlord. That's it, really. That and and you know we are protecting the position of the landlord because that's what we're contracted to do. We're paid by the landlord to protect one of the biggest one of the biggest investments. Yes, yeah. I mean once. once once a tenancy starts and a tenant's in place and we've chosen them, we as letting agents and, and managing agents have a duty of care for that tenant. But in the first instance, our main objective is to find the right person for the property on the landlord's yeah. behalf. Um, and one thing we've touched on is something that um, as, as, as I can see it time and time again as, as we spoke about pets. And I don't believe pets are an issue, it's the owner. If someone's not going after a pet properly, then that's when the issues start. Some of our best tenants have pets. Yeah. But then you've got then the, the screen-out process is, okay, yeah, you've yeah. got a dog. So, yeah. uh, you know, when you're at your work, what happens with the dog? Yeah. Oh, I'll leave it in the house all day. What? What? Just leave it in the house all day? 
no interaction with anybody, the dog will go stir crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like that's no fair on the dog. So it is that sort of responsibility as well. It's like, you know, the responsibility for the pet. The dog's yeah. not got a voice. The yeah. dog's probably going, what the hell am I doing sitting in the house all day? <laughs> it's like, I want to be running free. I want to be free. <laughs> running and then that, that, that brings up the red, the red flags that would come up with me is like, okay, the dog's going to be in there all day. That's damage. Is there going to be damage to the property? Is there going to be nuisance to the neighbours? Yeah. Is it going to bark all day when you're not there? You don't know if it's barking all day, but the neighbours will. Um, there are the kind of things that that would flag up in my mind. Getting vague answers to why somebody's moving as well is the red flag, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's it, the, the one that always the red flag for me is when people used to come to me and say, um, and I'd go, all right, where are you staying just now? Oh, I'm staying in a council house just now. What? Why are you leaving a social media? Wait a minute. Nobody in their right mind leaves a council house to come in to stay with a private landlord. Let's be honest. And even I'm no a dafty here. It's like the rent's <laughs> far more affordable in comparison. Yeah. Why on earth would you want to come to a private landlord? That, for me, is a red flag straight away. Yeah. So I'll ask the question. So, you know, council's obviously the best tenure for, for renting. So why on earth are you wanting to move? That's when you get the, the the stuff, the the real stories, and then that's when you hear, and it's like, okay, that maybe makes me ask just to investigate that a bit more. Yeah. Um, so it's these sort of things that just lead you on to the next question, the next question, and then it's more or less it's handling objections, isn't it? Yeah. So it is handling objections. It's a skill. It's it's like a, it's a, it's the same sales process: handling objections for sales, handling objections for for this as well, um, and that's where the referencing comes in. But also um, things like uh, what people used to say to me, I'm not sharing that information with you. And I went, well, you're not getting the house then, are you? Why do you need to know all this? And I'm not providing you this and I'm not giving you I've got a right. I've got a right to get that house. It's like, you've got no right at all to get that house. You've only only phoned up to inquire about my house. And and I'm duty-bound to make sure you can afford it and make sure you're the right person for that. Because I've got responsibility under the antisocial behaviour laws, yep. under landlord registration, antisocial behaviour laws were tagged onto the back of that. I've got responsibility and duty of care when you move into that property for the neighbouring people round about you. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm asking you these questions. And if you're not answering them, you're off the list straight away. The best tenants are the most transparent ones and are really willing to, like, right, okay, here's what you need to. People that are quite um, withholding and don't want to share any of their personal details or stuff that you do need to to, to process the referencing, that's a red flag. They've got something to hide. The red flag as well for me is when people actually start to say, is, is that rent negotiable? And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> is this a sign of financial, you know, yeah. they're, they're a bit skint? Um, or is that security? Could that security deposit be reduced or... Could it just be waived or could or could I pay it up? This is the biggest misconception yeah. ever. I have tried with, I think, over 100 tenants over the time that I've had them to say we that, you know, to I'm going to pay, I'm gonna pay the deposit up. Now, I'm actually just saying, well, okay, 20 quid a month, a fiver a week or something like that. I know you can afford that. You need to pay up a fiver a week for your deposit. And, and this was in conjunction with Key Fund. 
So Keyfund bond them in the beginning and say, we'll put a £350 bond in as a security deposit and they'll pay us Keyfund back because we think they can afford it. They yeah. agree with Keyfund to pay them the deposit and every single fine, most of the majority of the occasions, Keyfund have actually turned around after six months and say, They've not paid anything anywhere near the deposit up. Or they paid the first two payments. As soon as they got in the tenancy, they just stopped paying. They just stopped paying the deposit up. Even though they could afford it, they just stopped paying it. And mm -hmm. and, and so it's it's these are signs. And again, this all comes with experience. This is all just experience. That's all. And wisdom that you've gathered over the years by your own personal things that have happened to you. Um, so I've taken all these hits over the years to learn all these lessons about what we shouldn't be doing and what we should be doing. That's the most important thing. That's why you choose a letting agent that's got a track record, not yeah. somebody that you like and you've just met them yesterday and they're a great person and they've been in business for about two or three years. It's like, hmm, that's questionable. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the, the key fund thing, and I mean, we've done that for a while and worked with them, and we were one of the only agents that would work with them. No, no one else would entertain them, but we've seen it as an opportunity to help people find homes. That That's why I wanted to work with them. Yeah, we're not in, that weren't in the best financial position. Yeah, um, as, soon as, they, as soon as they did that, and, and one of the ones that came out of that was the Sirens in um, Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. um, and I spoke at the Sirens uh, conference as well many years ago because um, they were similar things in helping people yeah, yeah. get into accommodation. Um, and, uh, you know, that that was that's what I wanted to get involved in. That's the, the social aspect is more what I wanted to get involved in and use my capital for for to help people, you know, get a, get a good, get a decent start. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not, I know what it's like not to have a house. Christ almighty, I was homeless and unemployed. In my early twenties, uh, through no fault of my own, and see, I, I found it extremely difficult to get a, a property to rent because one of the ones was I was so young. It's like no, no, you're just so young. But I've got, I've got, <laughs> I've got the financial means. It's like what? Just give me a break. I'll make it work. Um, and that was that was the difficulty. So I know what it was like for me, and and I still remember that now. And I know what it's like for a lot of my tenants on the journey because the first. What, maybe 15, 20 years, I actually did it all myself. So I filled out all their application forms. I sat with yep. them. I basically bled with them. Most of the, you know, for a metaphorically, and the fact that when they went through hard times, I just felt that as well for them. And I had to help them do that. And I had to help them get through these hard times. Um, even if it meant a financial hit for me um, to get them through that, even if it meant for me trying to find them a, a job at one of the companies that I was actually running, which I did before. Um, these are all things that I actually completely understand. Yeah. Um, the 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 difficulties that a lot of tenants go through, and and I still have that. I still have that today. I still have that um, sympathetic, if not em empathetic. Yeah, yeah. A, a kind of an empath, and and how I I almost I almost align with them because it was like that for me in the beginning as well. And, and, and I still remember today what it was extreme, what it was what it was like. Just it's it's hellish getting knocked back. Yeah. It's just a, a complete rejection. It's like you know you're cast iron. You know you're good for it. And you know you're you're the right person for the property. And it's like, no, no, um, we're going to choose someone else. And then you, you find out who it was that got chosen. And you think to yourself, I was better than them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's 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 probably my desire and need for to help someone else because it's happened to me. 
I think that's where that comes from. But um, Fife Key Fund and uh, Trust in Fife, they all come under the same umbrella now. It's it's uh, Fife Private Revenue Solutions, um, and I still we still have that contact, and I have referred people to them uh, in certain situations if they're struggling financially. Well, the difficulty is now we can't take them because the government, because of Patrick yeah. Harvey putting the legislation in place, and and I'll, I'll you know I'll say this quite clearly now. And, and, I'll, and I'll call Patrick Harvey out on this. Patrick Harvey, the Minister for Tenants, put legislation in place which actually stops us as private landlords being able to take the tenants that are most vulnerable in our society. Because, because the legislation is actually so prescriptive and so difficult, if anything does go wrong, it, it, it just it, it puts us off that market completely. We can't afford to do it. We can't afford to take a risk. Whereas before, I used to be able to take the risk. No bother. It's like, yeah, okay. Because we knew we had, we knew we would act quickly. We knew we would do something about it in the last resort, which was very, very, very. It was. It wasn't that often. Mm-hmm. We yeah. never really did that. It was a the place of last resort. But because of the legislation and what it means now, it's like we can't even afford to take that risk. And, and that's the difficulty. And I've voiced this concern to them more times than usual. And my MSP, and Patrick Harvey, and the housing minister, and I've voiced my concern about this, and just none of them are listening. They don't understand the commercial reality about what it is for the most vulnerable people in our society and being able to get a house to rent. And, and they're creating a two-tier system as yeah. well by, by what they're doing. Everybody is stuck in a tenancy right now. It isn't in getting any of these increases can't afford to move now because the open market rents are raining free and because mm-hmm. of the restriction supply caused by the legislation by the landlords exiting it's making it even worse for them yeah yeah i've got a comment here david sinclair's uh, uh, comment here is the tenant selection and identifying the right candidate is the most critical aspect of the pre-tenancy yeah. procedure totally vital essential uh, especially in the light of the current legislation we now require all prospective tenants to complete a pre-screening questionnaire before reviewing. So same with us. Uh, if they do not complete the latter, they will uh, have something to hide. Excellent. Great letting agent. Great letting agent. Track record. Yeah. Loads of experience, David. Um, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. And he's exactly the same. It's uh, We're in the same situation. It's the, 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 the legislation's brought this, actually just made this difficult, difficult even worse. And not for us, for the tenants. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people might, people listening might think, oh, you're splitting hairs and things. But when you have such a wide choice of potential tenants, like we do at the moment, it's vital to find whoever that's going to live in the property uh, as conscientious, uh, conscientious, and and, yeah. and com- can comfortably um, afford the rent that's set yeah. on the property. But I will say to you, Richard, this is not a prescription then to put more legislation in place to say yeah. that you can't discriminate against any tenant if anybody asks you've got to give them a viewing or you've got to let them have the house regardless of their situation. That's not the that's not the recipe for this. That's mm-hmm. not the prescription we should be doing. Yeah. We should be taking this back to the bare basics and saying, why is this happening? Let's take it all back to the beginning and let's try and resolve it and make it easier for both parties so everybody wins in this. Yeah. The most important person in this in this conversation is the tenant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean we've covered a lot of like the pre-qualifying stage and and, and leading up to the viewing and, and this is why we have to go for the rigorous the rigorous referencing. Yeah, and I was just going to say one of the most important parts is the actual rigorous referencing process, 
And regardless to how well maybe you know a potential tenant, uh, that, that's a red flag to me as well. If you know people, sometimes uh, you need to be careful with that. It's absolutely essential to carry out thorough background checks before giving anyone the keys to a rental property. And I think um, one of the main things for me as a previous landlord reference um, is always important. I mean, be careful of that as well. People people might give you a good reference to get rid of, rid of a bad tenant. Um, that's something to watch out for. But uh, follow up with a phone call and actually speak to the, the, this person that's giving you a reference. Uh, it may reveal more than just a written reference from someone for, for a tenant. Um, yeah. Credit reports and address histories are, are uh, important. We do up to three, three years um, address history checks and things. Uh, someone who says they've been living with their parents could be hiding previously unpaid rents or maybe bad debts. So make sure that's kind of legitimate uh, reason why they've come uh, from that situation as well. Yeah. What else is there, Jim? Um, I am just about to, I'm going to tell everybody at the end of this, I'm going to answer a question. Um, right, yeah. um, he says, the person says, I have a tenant who hasn't paid rent for six months. Um, so I'm going to tell them what I would do at the end okay. of this and no, we've got to the end of here so if you want to if anybody wants to hang on at the end of this fair enough if you don't then you don't want an answer to that then just don't hang on just get going about your day um yeah. so where were we sorry richard i, I, I was, was averted I, <laughs> I was going to get you to cover employers uh, references and pay slips and oh well well that's the that is one of the things that you do i, I mean people I, I remember when i first started a lot of people used to say a lot of landlords actually when i was when i was had the landlord association five landlords um a lot of landlords used to say to me you can do that and i'm like what do you mean of course you, you can do it? of course you would do it i even had letting agents all these years ago saying i could do that it's like why why would you not be asking for people's what they could afford and and, and references from their employers and, and copies of their pay slips of course mm -hmm. you would do that because you need to know if they can afford it it would be completely naive and it'd be completely it'd be completely irresponsible for you to put someone in a property without actually making sure they can afford it. Yeah, and not, the it, not irresponsible on behalf of the landlord, irresponsible for the tenant, knowing full well then that you have to evict the tenant further down the line because they can't even afford the property and they can't afford the rent. Yeah. So that's why you would do that um, to confirm the role and how long they've been there as well. One of yeah. the things, we get this all the time, don't they? When you guys come to me, the first question I ask, when you, when you say, I've got somebody that's working, I'm going, how long have they been working yeah. there? It's always the first thing you and ask. It's like, oh, they've been working there for a couple of months. It's like, okay, you know, in a couple of months, uh, three months is the, the trial period usually. So in three months' time, so where were they before that? And then that's when you say, oh, well, before that, they had a full-time job somewhere else and they were there for about six or seven years but then when you see you don't usually come to me this anymore because you've learned this lesson now um you know before that it used to be many years ago it used to be ah, but they were employed by someone else for a for a about six months before that and okay before that and they were employed by somebody else for about another six months before that and it's like oh whoa whoa wait wait a minute there's a lamb yeah. bears ringing yeah a serial jumper or there's something wrong with their situation um in terms of keeping down stability of a job um so you know that's not something we would want to get involved in if yeah. someone can't keep a job it is all about building the picture though because i mean people come here to work and things as well and we do get that uh, fairly often and sometimes they'll obviously they've, they've just they've only been here a matter of months but they're here to actually take up a post but then and you know yourself you go to the employer and the employer says yeah i'll yeah. be their guarantor 
Yeah, aye, that's that's that is the best thing ever. The classic I would do every situation. The first thing, even though some days on benefits, or even though someday I think can't afford it, it's like I've just got that wee niggling doubt in my mind. I immediately go, uh, can you get a guarantor? And that's the telltale. If no one in their social circle, or even their mum and dad, won't guarantee them for their rent, it's it, it's a red flag straight away. I often used to get, um, can you get a guarantor? Um, well, I could. I, I can't really ask my mum or my dad. And here's what happens next. I can't... What, what do you mean you can't ask your mum or your dad? Well, I borrowed money from them before and I never paid it for them back <laughs> and they're not happy with me. And I'm like, oh my God, you have, just explained, me. You have just explained to me straight away why you're not a good risk. Yeah, That is the best thing ever. If you can, these, it's an easy screening question for someone and they do not know that's happening. They just give that information readily available and they're telling you straight away that not a good credit risk at all. Yeah, even though the credit report actually says this person could be okay, um, and and you're like, no, well, there's something still just no right, um, and that's when that comes out when you do that. Yeah, I mean, it is important to also credit check the actual guarantor themselves and and make sure that they understand their responsibility as the guarantor. But it's, it's true what you say, Jim. As soon as straight off, if somebody's willing to vouch for somebody, it speaks volumes. Yeah, uh, for the, them good, the good thing about having the guarantor, even for somebody that's on benefits. Um, is you've got someone else to go to if it all goes wrong, but it's someone else usually that they that res they that wants to help them, but they also respect, and if they tell them they need to get their act together and get themselves sorted out and get themselves back on track. The guarantor is a really good mechanism to do that um, yeah. because it is usually a peer or a mentor for that person, mm -hmm. and and that's what I like about the guarantor for for somebody. It's actually uh, you know on universal credit or that. Um, it, you're always going to get in universal credit, but things do go wrong horribly in that system. It's not the person, it's the system, it's the problem sometimes. And and the person doesn't know how to tick the box of the system. And we do know how to tick the, bo the box of that system, and we just get the person to do that, to be able to tick these boxes. Because I will, you know, when I discussed it and sat down with the housing benefit people and Fife Council, and I looked at the whole system for them, and I looked at, okay, we need to do this, this, and that, and that, and that in order to get this process correctly. They went, perfect. That's what we want to do. We're just here to administer housing benefit to the people that need it and keep people in their tenancies. That's Fife Council's attitude when they were administering housing benefit and most councils' attitude at that time. It's like, we just want people to get a house and we yeah. want to get this done. And if they're entitled to housing benefit or universal credit, then we want to tick all these boxes for them to make sure they get a proper house and they keep their house a roof over their head. Absolutely, that's what we want as well. Yeah. So we worked hand in hand with these people, but now this is all gone. There's this vilification. There's this demonization of landlords. It's come from eat the rich mentality. Yeah. And it's like they don't understand. It's the people that are in, the, it's the rich that are actually keeping people in jobs and the rich are people are keeping people in, 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 in a good situation and providing good housing as well and you're wanting to shoot that down that's like the, that's like the thing about you know, if we go back to Africa's lesson, it's like let's take all the land from the landowners <laughs> it's like and throw them out the country and the next minute it was chaos prevailed it's like you, you no realise what you've just done mm -hmm. and then they had to invite them all back in to take the land back yeah yeah, making decisions and 
and it's making decisions and doing things without thinking the, the ramifications further down the line of how that's actually going to have an effect so yeah, yeah. but also in the referencing process and something that a lot of people maybe aren't aware and, and as a uh, bank statements you could you could ask up to three months bank statements to check back on a tenant um, and again, like we said about the red flags, if people don't want to provide that, then there's a reason for that as well. Um, we spoke about, obviously, uh, garden tours and having them reference checked and making sure that they are aware of their responsibilities. And one as well that I was going to say is avoid taking or try to avoid taking six months up front for people rather than referencing them at all. It sometimes could be a sign of people that maybe are in, a, in the best financial position. They might have bad credit. Um, so, I, I mean, Maybe it might be the fact that they're in a really good financial position and they've got good credit, and that's how they could pay six months up front. But you need to establish that that is the actual. Fund. But then what happens is they get to the end of the six months and then they're not paying anything else. Yes. So you're taking six months up front, but you're not actually getting that rent every single month. What you're doing is saying, I'm taking six months up front, but you'll still have to pay me your rent every single month from then on. Mm-hmm. So you've always got a cushion of six months. That's that's in that situation where you've done that. That's only that's very exceptional to do. That's very rare to do. But in some situations where somebody's come from abroad and they've got no credit history, they've got no working history, they're literally retired and they've got no other income coming in and they only have their pension or or their their retirement money. And you can't really prove what that is because it's difficult to prove. Then that's in that situation and that unique situation where you probably do that. And insistent in it, but now it's like they could get to the end of six months and just no pay it for six months, and then then go for another six months no paying it in arrears. Yeah, and then that, that and the then after that yeah. six months is gone, that's when you have to then that's when you can you can then go for eviction. But then you have to serve the notice, and then you have to give them a certain amount of time for that notice to be served. You know, I think it's three months, Richard. Yeah. Eight yeah, three months. months. So Eight six months, months gone, then three months, that's nine months you're in. And then if they don't go, then you have to apply to the first year tribunal. And they might not even say to them, oh, you, you, no, they could stay. You could be pushing about a year down the line. It's your circumstance. You could be a year down the line with no money. Could you see now how the way that legislation's been implemented, the emergency legislation, so, so-called COVID legislation that they've used, yeah. is, now, is now making it more difficult for us to then accept people in a situation where they're financially vulnerable. And I would do that. You wouldn't do that for your landlords, but I have the choice to do that because it's my personal choice. Um, But I can't do that anymore because of that reason. I can't take that risk that, you know, all of a sudden five or six people decide that the, 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 or universal credit falls over for them for five or six people and we can't get that back on track. And then I've got to wait for six months or nine months with five or six people, no pain. Yeah, that's 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 effectively, look at 487 times time nine times five. I've got to take a hit at £22,000 in rent, no income at £22,000 in order to try and start the process of eviction. That's, you can't take that risk. No. No. So I think just to, to wrap up kind of on the topic for today, I would like to point out that most tenants are completely honest and, and, and good tenants. But if you look at where things usually go wrong, it's very often because the groundwork uh, and the selection process hasn't been thorough enough in the first instance. So everything that we've covered today is really important. And as David uh, reiterated in his comment, it's the most imperative part of the, the process is to get it right at the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say so. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next steps. What's? If you, I mean, if, you, if if anybody's got a property to rent or they're even considering investing in property, have a chat with us first. Yeah. Um, it, I'll be honest. The first phrase I've always said out of my mouth: it's not for the faint-hearted. It's yeah. it's never been for the faint-hearted. Property is not an easy gig. It's not money in your pocket. You're not paying someone else's mortgage renting. That's they're all fallacies that people use in order to justify their rhetoric and their story that they're telling themselves um, about the you know their woe is me situation. But it's definitely not for the faint-hearted renting property. It's definitely not for the faint-hearted being a letting agent. You know, <laughs> you, you, well, you know yourself. <laughs> I enjoy it, but <laughs> it takes a special breed of person. Hard knocks. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Often, um, that's where it is. But. Get in touch if you need more advice and information. And the uh, the blog links um, in the post and at the foot of the blog, my mobile number, my email, and everything's on there. So yeah. Now let me take this couple of questions because that's us. That's us finished. Thanks for coming on, folks. Um, yeah. And for anybody that doesn't want to hear this, um, you can crack on. But um, somebody actually asked me. Um, I have a tenant who hasn't paid rent for six months. Help. Now the first thing I did say to them. Um, go and speak to a solicitor about your options because I don't know your full options. But the first thing is I would be reaching out to the tenant to say, look, you know, you've not paid for six months. What's going on? How can we get you back on track? How can we make sure you keep a roof over your head? At this point in time, your six months is gone. You've, you're going to have to take that financial hit. Mm -hmm. If you get rid of them, you've lost the six months anyway. If you can get somebody back on track, though, you know, because it could be universal credit. It could just be they need to tick some boxes if that's the situation of the tenant. It could be the fact that they lost their job and they're embarrassed to come and say to you that they can't afford the rent. They've stuck their head in the sand for so long and they don't, because they, they, that's them. That's how they've grown up. That's right, just yeah. that's just the way they've experienced life. Is and they might not realise the entitlement. Yeah. To solve a problem, Richard, I'll stick my head in the sand and it'll go away. Uh, well, I'm sorry, it won't go away but we're here to solve it with you. We're here to get you the best solution. So we'll try everything possible, regardless of somebody's six months in arrears, to try and get them back on track. If we know that they can afford to pay the rent and they're just deliberately not paying it, that's eviction. Yeah. That's the only time that will ever happen. If we know you're deliberately doing that. Now, I've had that recently to me where somebody chose to go away to... You know, um, um, where was it? Benidorm uh, for a fantastic holiday while not paying the rent. And they had a, they've got a fantastic job. And then they're like, no, no, I'll just no pay my note, no pay my rent, no pay my rent. And then the next thing, they were going to be moving in with their girlfriend. And it's like, well, I'll still not continue to pay my rent. And then the girlfriend went, well, you're not moving in with me anymore. You'll have to keep your tenancy. Now they're back saying, oh, can I sort out my tenancy? Can I pay it up X amount? And it's like, yeah. well, actually, it'll take you five years to pay that. And we know you've got a good paying job and we know you've just spent all this money and you've not even bothered to keep it aside for your rent uh, and you've just thrown caution in the wind and and that's not the type of tenant it should be, yeah. you know, we should have. Um, so um, unfortunately in this situation, it is going down that road um, and that's very, very rare to happen. It's just about getting people back on track. So if you've not spoken to your tenant and don't be afraid to just pop a note through their door or something like that and go, look, you know, we want to get you back on track. We want to help you as much as possible. We want to make sure you keep a roof over your head. We are not in the, we, we, we want to do all these things, 
if you don't communicate with us, you have to say this on your letter. Mm -hmm. If you don't communicate us, you only leave us with one option, and that's just to go for eviction. And we and you have to say this in your letter as well. And we don't want that. This is what this is what this is what people out there don't understand that are not landlords. Landlords do not want to evict tenants. If a tenant's paying paying the rent and they're looking after their property and they're not being antisocial, why on earth would you want to be evicting a tenant? You wouldn't ever. Yeah. There'd be no compelling reason to do that. It's very, very rare. So this is rare, but because it's amplified on the news and it's amplified by the Scottish government right now about look at these situations once in a blue moon where that's happened, there's an insinuation that it's happening right across the board. Now, I'll tell you, the Scottish government came back to us and when we said landlords are exiting the market and they went, oh, no, 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 the eviction numbers are the same as what it was last year, so we don't think that's the story at all. So this is the Scottish government saying the eviction numbers haven't gone up at all, as opposed to last year. So nobody's getting evicted more than any they had before. Have before and that's, yeah. the, that's the words from the mouths of babes. The Scottish government are actually saying that in defence of the fact that, no, no, we don't need to bother about the landlords, we don't think they're going to exit the market at all. And so they've actually shot themselves in the foot by actually admitting yeah. that there's not a problem with evictions. They're the same as what they were. But now, to me personally, I'm like, okay, that's not really the attitude you should be having because it was the same as the last year and a thousand and odd people got evicted. And because it's the same now, a thousand and odd people are getting evicted. You shouldn't be saying, well, it's the same as last year. That's so okay. There's no change, so we'll just leave it. <laughs> you should be saying, how enough are a thousand and odd people getting evicted? And is this something we could help solve? Let's try and get that down. Yeah. yeah. Not not legislate for, but let's let's is this something we could solve and keep people with a roof over their head? Yeah. Not just accept the fact that, oh, that's just collateral damage. Because that's what that sounds like, isn't it? Yeah. And then I ask you, who do you think is the person that's more on the side of the tenants with what I've just told you? Is it me or is it the Scottish government? I know who it is. You decide. <laughs> you decide. That's the reality. So, yes, try everything possible to get back in touch with your tenant. Try everything possible to communicate with your tenant, I would say. Um, but you do need to speak to a solicitor. If you're not a member of the Scottish Association of Landlords, you need to join them. It's £105, £110 a year, and they will give you all the advice if you tell them all the circumstances involved. They will give you all the perfect advice legally about what you, where you stand and what you need to do for the next steps. But they'll probably tell you the same thing as what I've told you in the beginning to make sure that everything's all crossed, you know, all the things that are qualified first before eviction as a last resort. Yeah. Okay, so that's my answer to that question. Uh, da, da, da. And somebody says, you know, we've, we've been over this before, Martin, if you watch... Um, at the start of this, if this is a rerun, um, if you can watch it on TikTok, I'm not really sure if they actually keep it. Don't, or they, no, don't think yeah, can. they don't. Okay, go to Five Properties TV and start from the beginning because I do cover this with the current interest rates. Buy to let is not a great option. Prediction nine months will till crash. I covered that at the beginning of the show, and you'll see it on Five Properties TV under the weekly Saturday show, the weekly property show, or something like that. The playlist. Uh, you'll see oh, this. The, the Five Properties show. It's called. 
Yeah, Five Property Show. Episode 152. Um, we've been at this for three years. Wow. Um, um, you'll see that there. Um, bring back Fish Friday. Uh, it says, cry me a river. Yeah, hey, cry yourself a river then. Because <laughs> it, <laughs> it has no effect on me at all. You know, the reality is I'm just here to provide a service, um, which is which I've seen as a as a gap in the market just now. And yeah. I wish every single time the government would build more social housing so I don't need to fill that gap in the market so I can go and do something else with my capital. Because, I'm, you know, I'm a bit long in the tooth for this. This is 30 years of this. And and I, I have no desire to keep being a private landlord but as long as there's a market for it and as long as there's a need for it by people that need it, then I'll keep providing it. That's it. Yeah. That's all it is. And once the need disappears, I'll go and provide somebody else with something else. And that's it. That's us. Done. Good. Thanks, Jim. Um, just to remind everybody, you're doing the, you'll do the market update tomorrow evening, Jim, at 7.30. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And we are doing a wealth creation show on Monday, 12.30 as usual. We are covering uh, our distractions losing you money. So I think most people's question. answer to that is yes. Yeah, <laughs> but so they don't realize that. they don't realize what's distracting them. Um, that's that's what it is. All, we all have distractions from day to day. We're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about how you can resolve this, and yeah. how you can get through this, and how you could identify this. And I often call it a, the shiny penny moment, where you're walking mm -hmm. along that road. And you're, you know where you're going. It's right in front of you. Um, it's You know where you're going, definitely. And all of a sudden, the wee shiny pennies on the ground, and you go, oh, shiny penny. And all of a sudden, you've stopped where you're going. And it's like, shiny penny. And, and Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Look, Bitcoin. I'm going to invest in that. We're going to talk about things like that. Yeah. We're going to give some reality checks and some home, home truths. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good subject. So that'll be Monday 12.30. But until then, thanks everyone for joining in. Keep it interactive uh, and thanks for all your insights today, Jim. That was a good show um, and I'll catch you all there. Bye-bye just now, folks. Bye-bye to Instagram and bye-bye uh, to TikTok.